Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, friends. Welcome to Unsiloed, the show that busts the echo chambers. If you dig hearing opposing perspectives about big issues from a point of mutual respect, if you like debate but love light, not heat, welcome home. Dude, I'm so tired. You you look tired. You know what it is, is I had kind of caffeine overload. You, those monsters that you pointed out in the refrigerator? <laughs> you went ham on those? Well, there's a moment of diminishing marginal return on caffeine. Mm-hmm. And when you hit that peak caffeine, and yeah. it, you get, it gets a little unstable. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the walls start to kind of shiver. And then there's like a hard crash. <laughs> and then that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Right, 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 right. That's the, funny. It's an opportunistic uh, drink, that monster, because normally I wouldn't buy it. But my son uh, brought two of two cases from his friend. He's like, oh, yeah, my friend Kyle gave me two cases of monster and one of them was zero sugar. And I was like, bring it. We'll put it in the back. So I've been drinking that instead of coffee. And it's mm-hmm. it also forces you to drink a much higher quantity. You know, those cans are pretty tall. They are. Yeah. Yeah. What's that about? Do you think the big cans like why can't they have normal size cans? Just uh, jack you up, get you all gacked you up. up on yeah, more caffeine. Know. The perceived value part of it, I guess. I don't know. I guess they're all the same size. All those drinks are the same size. Like there is no like. I mean, I guess there's the skinny ones too. But all it's like all, the fancy all drinks have gone bigger over time. Yeah, you know who did really well was that guy that we talked to a while ago. Um, lemon or lemon lemon. What's it called? Lemon something. Lemon water, maybe. No, it is lemon water, but it's not called lemon water. I thought it was called lemon. No, perfect lemon. Perfect something. Perfect lemon or lemon perfect. That guy's all over the place. Oh, really? I haven't kept up at yeah. all. Should sponsor the show. There you go. We'll have to hit him up for that. Get a free uh, shout out there. <laughs> so I came across a really interesting piece by um, this guy, David French. It, it was a Substack. Uh, he's a Substack guy. And he's the senior editor of something called The Dispatch. He's also a columnist for The Atlantic. He's written a bunch of books mm-hmm. on divided America and the threat of ISIS and a bunch of different things. I don't know much about him, but he's a really good writer. Mm -hmm. And like all his newsletters are really interesting. And I thought that that could form the basis of our discussion today because it touches on a pretty interesting subject. Mm -hmm. You want me to tee it up? Yeah, please. So the idea here is that that the threat or, or the most important religious divide in the country is not between the right and the left, but between the left and the left. That's the kind of thesis that this article right. lays out. Well, yeah, it's, it's a little – yeah, it, it is. But I think the main point that he's making in this piece, which I actually think is super interesting, is one of the, the, the factors doesn't get maybe talked about enough that is actually – that is creating this, this, this divide. And especially within the Democratic side, the Democrat side of the, of the equation is the role that God plays. Yeah, we feel about it, right? So he calls it the God gap. The God gap. That's right. And he goes on to kind of you know set up the piece, and I want to kind of get into the weeds with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he basically says that if you go back to 2012, right? That was Obama's last term, right? Yep. So Obama, you know, very famously created this coalition of a variety of different sort of sub segments and groups, right? In the piece, this guy David French calls it the coalition of the ascendant. So it was young people, it was people of color, it was females. And the guy he was running against, you remember Mitt Romney, right? Mm-hmm. Mitt, Mitt Romney. It's a great name. Yes. It's like a 
little rascal's name. Mitt, you know Mitt Romney. I mean? Mitt Romney was, I think, born in Mexico, wasn't he? Mitt Spanky. Alfalfa. Am I, am I making that up? No, I'm pretty, true. I'm pretty uh, sure it's true. I think yeah, it is he's true. Mormon, right? So I yeah, think yeah. they spent time in Mexico. Yeah. Is he, would you consider him Mexican then? Because he was born in Mexico? I guess nas- nationality-wise, maybe. Uh, well, he was born on an army base. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I want to say it was part of this church that they were they were out there, right? Um, but yeah, I guess you technically yeah, you could consider him Mexican. I think there is something about that. I I, I seem to remember recall that that concept. Mm-hmm. But basically, Obama's uh, you know his uh, opponent Romney right. was sort of the opposite, right? He had this kind of white white male or pale male and stale kind of. Uh, contingent right so it was like the losers of the demographic lottery was sort of the way that it was it was positioned people that were on the descent right mm-hmm. so you had this ascendant group young people people of color etc um and then you know fast forward to 2016 when trump runs against uh well trump runs for the first time and he wins and what the piece goes out to say is that a lot of people thought that it was kind of a electoral college thing or the fact that hillary clinton was just completely unelectable because you know, because she she just has not crossed over that divide in terms of electability. But then you look at Trump relative to Romney, and he did a lot better with these diverse folks. And then in 2020, that dynamic accelerates, right? The mm-hmm. Democrats get whiter and Republicans get more diverse. And when you look at Trump, even though he lost the That's a popular, massive overstatement, though. <laughs> the Democrats got whiter and Republicans got more diverse? Yeah. Tell me why. Because it's still a very small share of Latinos that are considered Republican. Right. Yes, has it, has it grown? Yes. But it almost makes it sound like it's a complete inverse. It is, and it's complete dominant. African-Americans are by far very Democrat. Latinos sure. are by far very Democrat. And yes, there's been gains, for sure. Right. But it's, it. Um, yeah, I think that, in the piece as I read it, like that's one of the overstatements I think that that is making. Okay, fair. But, the, but I think the, the, the point is that he did materially better than Romney right. did with Latinos, black, and Asian voters mm-hmm. in, in 2016, and then he beat his own results in 2020. Right. So um, he also cites this other piece from Axios, which says that Democrats now have a bigger advantage with white college graduates than they do with, with non-white voters. Mm-hmm. And then t- to your point on the, the Latino vote, uh, Obama had 71% of the Latino vote in 2012. Biden in 2020 had 65%. But now, if you look at polling, the Latino vote, vote is statistically tied, essentially. And so it, it kind of breaks out this, this evolution of the electorate, which we've talked about before in other shows. But to your earlier point, he starts positioning this around an idea that is really – he defines as the God gap, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the wedge that exists – or like this is a wedge vote that exists between white and non-white voters – as it relates to their belief in God. Mm-hmm. And he gives us this chart that actually comes from Pew, which I don't know if you studied, but it essentially mm-hmm. shows that when you look at non-white Democrats, so these are you know registered Democrats who are not white, the percentage of them that believe in God is actually equal to, if not greater in some, in some cases, than the same non-white uh, group that is Republican. Mm-hmm. So... In that regard, non-white Democrats look a lot like Republicans do in 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 that alignment, in that, in that sort of yeah, respect. Yeah, that lens of, in terms of belief in God. Yep. Through that lens, right? Mm-hmm. And if you isolate the black community in particular, it's like the most, right? They have a huge, huge advantage – or not advantage. They have a huge uh, over-index uh, on uh, an absolute certainty that God exists. So it's 83 percent of all black Americans are absolutely certain that God exists. No other group comes close to that figure, and it goes on to say that of all the ethnic groups, black Christians are the most likely to attend services, pray frequently, read the Bible, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, and they are by large margins the most likely to believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. In short, and this Mm -hmm. is the quote that I really love from the piece, if you find Christian traditionalism creepy, it's black people you're talking about, which I thought was really interesting. Um, And it also goes on to say Latinos identify as religious first and foremost, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So the thesis of the piece is that a politics that's focused on mobilizing on identity doesn't really work, especially when you pair it with a hostility to traditional religion, which oftentimes the hard left has possessed, right? Like, get get your rosaries off my ovaries and— you know, Obama saying things like, you know, cling to your guns and religion and things like that, right? So— so, so the, the, the argument is that 
as this dynamic continues, to the extent that the left side of the political ideological equation disenfranchises the religion, the religious part of their constituency or religion as part of their constituency, this gap is only going to grow and create and, and accelerate this this shift or whatever, but also create opportunities for the right. other side of the equation. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting thesis. It, yeah, it's an interesting thesis. Um, yeah, there's so much to to unpack in this conversation because when I when I first heard that or, or read it, I thought it was an interesting piece, especially the the point that when it comes to religiosity, how to the point you're saying non-white Democrats look at least from a religious spectrum, much more like uh, like white Republicans, right? Um, the challenge that I have with this is that, you, but you're still talking about a group in general, overall, that's becoming less religious every year, mm-hmm. including Latinos that are both. We've talked about this, right? Like every every day, there more yeah yeah mm-hmm. more Lati- more Catholics are they're Latinos more and every yeah mm-hmm. and every every day you know more Latinos are, are not no longer Catholic or unaffiliated. So you have this dynamic that is changing also really quickly as it relates to the role that religion actually plays uh, in everyday for like the average person, that the average American. Right. It's just religious. It's just as a country, we're a lot less religious. And that also applies to some of these groups. Now, what I find interesting uh, in this piece is that that level of religiosity that, that even, let's talk about Latinos for a second, Latinos have, is very much tied to what generation they're in. Right, the more second, third generation, the more you go from from immigrants to more, the less religious they become. So, is this a short term trend that we're talking about here, where religion does play a bigger role there, or is mm-hmm. something that over time just kind of washes out because Latin, even for Latinos, they look more like the general population in terms of religiosity. So, how much of that does that actually then end up playing a factor? The the thing that I also looked at when I, when I when I look at this kind of breakout mm-hmm. is is you have to layer in education level directly religious religiosity religiosity because there is also this dynamic that the more educated people are the less religious they tend to be mm. now is a democratic uh is a, is, a, is a democratic party going to a place where they really are you know let's talk about the the, the, the ways that you can come the elitist much more educated a lot less religious coastal a lot more coastal right I also so that's a factor, but it also thinks speaks to the problem that the that the, the Democratic Party has, which is it's a lot more fragmented. I mean, that's kind of the issue. That's what I said. Like, there in no other scenario should AOC and and Joe Biden be in the same party. They just have a very different view of the world. Like, that's okay. But in the, but in as it relates to Republicans, they're much more centralized and much more about. And I would say even the the point about God and guns. I mean, there's a bunch of Republicans that that is their platform. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like God, gun, and liberty, and get liberty. Like they're owning that position. Um, doesn't mean that Democrats should have the anti-God, anti-gun, anti-liberty position, right? right. But but it is an, a very own ownable position that they have. I mean, it's just it's an interesting cut. It's like this, you know, just remind me of remind me of the, Charlie. Like when you have a, an interesting kind of cut of data, but by doing it, it's so overly, overly simplified. I'm like, hmm, I don't know how much this is actually playing a factor. Uh, because it's also putting a position of of really speaking about the Democratic part of the sorry, or Democratic Party as being an anti God party, which is just not true. Mm-hmm. You have the left, the super far left part of it that and is I, true. And I do want to talk about why you right? think that's because the case. Joe Biden isn't that mm-hmm. right. Like the dude is super Catholic. As a matter of fact, part of the reason he's getting beef from the Catholic Church is because he's super Catholic, not because he's AOC, not because he's someone who's like super liberal. Like I don't care about religion. Like keep it out of here. Like or keep it rosy. I, I, like, I wouldn't. I they're wouldn't. the opposite of that. Like right. he's the opposite of that. Yeah. Now people may have issue with the stance that he has politically while trying to be religious, but I think if anything, I think we're in a dynamic where, especially in the, in the case of abortion, where the Catholic Church is turning their back on people that have high political positions in the Democratic Party because they don't fully agree with with their positions. Like it's really hard, I think, at this day and age, to be a practicing Catholic and be. And then be for some of the social issues that the Democratic side of the, of, of the equation tends of to course. support. It, it very much is. I wouldn't. The only the only exception I have to what you said is I wouldn't qualify. I wouldn't say that that Joe Biden has been getting flack from the Catholic Church because he's super Catholic, but because he's not actually representing Catholic positions. That's what I would say. But, but you're if right, he wasn't his, Catholic, his he religion. Wouldn't, he wouldn't. If he didn't talk about being Catholic and he want to go to that's church, exactly the point. If yeah. he didn't go like visit with the Pope, like it wouldn't even be a conversation. Yeah. No, no, you're right about he, that. If he was a like majority of Catholics that would just sort of say it but don't practice it at all, 
then no one was making a big deal about not giving them uh, a communion. Right. It wouldn't be a non-issue. Like, there's actually, we're in a position now where if you're being, if you if you have it as part of your identity in a high-ranking position in politics, it could, like, you're putting, you're putting yourself, like, in the middle of this, of, of that of that issue where you could actually get more flack than if, than if you don't. Are you, are, are you just saying, I just want to make sure I'm being clear or I'm understanding your position that do you think that there is not like a bunch of uh, religious on animosity or a lot of downplaying or ridiculing of religion that happens in generally in, in left leaning circles? But uh, yes, and there's in a the sense that there are elements of that in the left side of the equation, but the left side of the equation is much more diverse that has currently maybe over time it won't anymore maybe that's i think that's part of the argument that this that this piece is making that there's a certain part of more conservative liberals if there's such a thing people that are right. center center left will no longer feel feel comfortable in that in that group uh but right now it's very diverse so yes is there the far left does it does it look at you know religion that way mock it or or doesn't want anything to do with it for sure yeah but that's not representative of the Democratic Party it's not representative of even even the administration is in in power it's a very small percentage of the people that are actually politically uh, in in power right now but but if I was to think about the people who are hardcore uh, you know I don't know Second Amendment people or people who are you know let's arm every teacher and let's yeah. do all that stuff. I would put those people on a percentage basis in a similar category from garden variety conservatives. For sure. So do you think that the full Republican Party represents that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that they I think that there's some nuanced positions within the party about that particular issue. But what I'm saying is that if I look at who actually has the, the bully pulpit on the mm-hmm. left, the people mm-hmm. in positions of a lot of influence, um, yep. you know, technology leaders and people high up in government and musicians and artists and Hollywood stars and people like that who really have, they might be a smaller number, but they're certainly more, they have much wider reach, I guess, that share this position. I don't know what the numbers are. Maybe it's a very small percentage that uh, fall into the category of being in, an animus towards In the, towards in the context of politics, mm-hmm. the people that have the most power do not hold that position. Think about the leadership in the Democrats: Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell. Oh, well, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, so, sorry, wrong, wrong side. Yeah, AOC. Russell, no, whatever. but see, I wouldn't put see AOC is someone that is not in a leadership position. She is. She represents a very strong constituents of people that really like believe in her much younger generation. But she's not the leadership. I mean, anything, I guess she's, she's not the gets, leadership. She gets, but she's she gets stiff armed. She gets stiff armed yeah. to not be part of the, the, the but leadership. But you don't think that that her you know audience and her constituency puts a lot of pressure on the establishment Democrat Party? Yeah, so does Tucker Carlson, but right. he's also not the leadership of the Republican Party, right? As a matter of fact, he will say Tucker Carlson has more power over the Republican Party than AOC has over the Democratic Party. Hmm. Interesting. But the, but they're not in those. I'm sorry, I heard he might be running when, for president. When you th- yeah, probably. Uh, I did. I heard that they're really? they're, like, they're, they're no, trying no. to like get him to run. But he said no. But it's so, so interesting. I, I think it is an interesting dynamic in the sense to what degree does these these parties start divide over like uh, along religious lines. Um. Which will be a complete shame because history has shown that that's never worked out well. But what this piece is saying isn't necessarily that there's going to be a division among religious lines. It's just that the group that is Democrat who values their faith deeply is increasingly alienated by the Democrat Party. That's the point. One of the points. But that's my. That, this that is, is the making. point that I'm not that making. they're going to flip to be Republicans necessarily, but, but that but they that, might not vote as strongly uh, Democrat or be as energized. And maybe, and maybe I'm being a little naive in this in this point. But that's the point that I'm making, which is I just don't think that's factually true. Mm. Just because AOC may have a certain position, that's not what the president position has. As a matter of fact, when you think about the people that end up getting like, that's why even Bernie Sanders, for as popular as this, he's never, he's not, he's no longer ever going to get over over the hump. The people that have the position in power in the Democratic Party tend to be much more centrist. Mm-hmm. Even and so was Obama. Like so, I get the point about feeling alienated and and by certain people within the party, but they're they're not the ones that control the power of the party. Now maybe that's part of the problem. If you were to ask people that are much more left leaning, that there was there was they want they should be in power. They should be in power. Okay, right. that's fair fair enough. But mm-hmm. they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not. So that's the part where I I, I don't. I don't fully agree with that position for that for that reason. Now, you, could people still feel alienated? Of course they could, right? Now, historically— But if it's such an important part of their identity, though, right? I mean, you've got 83% of black people saying God absolutely exists. 83%. Mm-hmm. And it, it's such a fundamental part of their identity. You would think that that would be an area of focus for 
the Democrat side of the equation. And even though I agree with you that the progressive wing, perhaps, or a small minority that's very loud doesn't represent the leadership of the Democratic Party, I don't think you can objectively look at the platforms right now and not see a very big distinction in that regard. I mean, the Democratic platform was debating the last time that they actually brought this up for a vote in their Democratic caucus of actually removing any allusion to God in their platform. Like they debated that, and I think it came very close to actually being removed, where that's not even in contention on the other side of the equation. And what I'm saying is we're not talking about what kind of flavor ice cream you like or whether or not you drive a certain kind of car or what your position is on electrification of the grid. We're talking about something that is like fundamental to a big block of your constituents, not your conquesting opportunity. Yeah. The the question I still have with that is that even as big of a role as it plays, it's a role that's, that's becoming smaller. Right, like our country is becoming more religious, becoming less religious across. But it's still, group. but I, but I think it, there you're. I think there you are, kind of like uh, not leading the witness. But there's something where you're <laughs> you're overstating the case yeah, that it is still a uh, comparatively to like Europe or other, you know, mostly Europe. Yeah, it's a very religious uh, country relative to other parts of the developed world. Right, right, right. right. The, yeah, but compared to that, America, a lot less. A lot less. Or Africa or Asia. Sure, sure, sure. So that, that's kind of what I'm saying. And even just speaking about the Latino community, like you do see this very clearly across generations, right? And and also, I guess the the question to me with this it becomes like, what is more important, right? Is it, is it more important to have God as a major part of a political platform or is it more important other social issues that these groups may find important. I think what is obvious to me and a little bit of the Latino element here, even so why Trump is getting more more people, is that this is also an audience that's way more diverse now. You don't have majority of immigrants that were, were, where immigration was the number one issue for a very long time. That's no longer the case. So as these groups become more acculturated, also their political views just going to vary a lot more, right? So that makes more sense to me that it would actually look more them like more spread out mm. between Democratic and Republicans. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I maybe attribute more to that than 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 necessarily the the religious part of the of the equation. I think the issue for me though is just being better marketers. I guess if you if you have a constituency and you kind of want to understand what makes them tick, and you find that this is an important part, even if it's something that's shrinking on aggregate over time. You would want to lean into that, and you right. certainly wouldn't want to lean away from that. Do you see what I'm saying? And yeah, I think yeah. that's the thing that I don't understand where there is this sentiment. And again, I've got some examples that are you know big ones that happen over the, the years, and I can certainly tell you from my own experience mm-hmm. the sense that you, know, you hear this in commentary. You've heard it even about me, right? We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've certainly heard it myself, and I know that there's been – you know, business I haven't gotten, conversations or things I haven't been invited to or things like that simply because I'm a person of faith. And this happens among very influential, powerful segments of the population. Mm -hmm. So the part that I don't understand is why wouldn't you at least not uh, try to dampen the antagonism and try to say, hey, listen, we are a party of of this broad diversity and this is an important part we want we want people of faith to be part of, to be welcome in the democrat party but why but is that, that not a more intentional messaging if it's if it's such a huge percentage of but that's my point Charlie. these folks the, the the spokesperson for the party is joe biden you, we may we may not agree, agree how, how good of a spokesperson he is or not right yeah but that is the that is who represents the party that right. is the chosen leader of the party who happens to be of an active practicing Catholic that's a big part of his identity. For sure. When have you ever heard Biden talk about the importance of faith in the public square or, you know, people rallying, you know, bringing their faith into the Democratic Party? When have you ever heard that kind of messaging? Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. So, like, why wouldn't you want to say, hey, listen, Democrat Party is a party of where faith is very important. We want you to live your faith within the context of being a Democrat. Like, why wouldn't you want to just say that more explicitly, I guess? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Charlie. I think maybe in this may be the political mistake of letting the Republican Party own the position. I think so. In the same way that the Republican Party has owned the position of being American. And, and frankly, it's not a good – like it's, it gets all twisted up in the way that they that they sort of take it where now you almost have to take an anti-position against, against it, I guess. But the whole God and guns, like that is a very stated position that many Republicans do hold. Mm-hmm. It's like literally their platform. And, which is so counterintuitive because God and guns are, are two positions that are counter to each other sure. with what the actual church believes in. 
but yeah, like people have no problem like kind of throwing it all all as one. And um, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's a good point. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why why it's not uh, taken that way. Look, even when we get into the conversation around abortion, right? The majority of Catholics, Latino Catholics, believe that abortion should be in some form or another be made sure. legal. So even that position, you can't say that. In that case, then to me, the rational thing is like having a pro-choice stance. More Latinos agree with that than having a pro-God stance that is against that is that is pro-life. Does that make sense? Like really leaning into people's religious view. Sure. So while it's super important, it doesn't dictate. I don't think the decision necessarily what people are making around policy. But I definitely have heard from Republican lawmakers and otherwise, and maybe not as much as they would other messaging, but I have heard like, you know, we're happy to have, um, you know, people of all views and even pro-choice Republicans. There's lots of them. I mean, in fact, on this bill that just got passed this week of the codification of um, gay marriage into law, there was like 50 Republicans in the House who signed up for that. But so there, there seems to be more of that kind of ideological diversity like in those big issues like i don't i don't know that you would see if it was like a again maybe i don't have the exact example but a there's pro-life democrats who are part very of the few class. very few yeah vanishingly no, I, I, small i, I like agree two. with that yeah, yeah yeah i agree with that but they are and they also are part of the same party they're i mean think of all the stuff that joe Manchin has not allowed biden to be able to do right he he you know kind of thing like if it walks like a duck sound like a duck maybe a duck yeah in all in the decision making, it feels very conservative in his perspective. Sure. Now he happens to represent a state that is very conservative, so he's in that kind of kind of bubble. But it, it like he's also part of the party. Like I think we tend to what I feel like pieces like this kind of make it sound like it's like if everyone was AOC, they're not. It's a small majority, a small minority of the people that are actually part of, of of the Democratic Party. Right now, I guess maybe a lot of attention. And that's kind it of the, the 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 sort of people tend to sort of look at it or like all oh, these dams, these libs. They're not all libs or, or – they're really not all libs. That's the reality. But you don't think that's exactly the same thing that happens when you see like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene or any or Tucker Carlson or anybody that everybody gets painted with that brush who's not a, who's not a liberal, who's not a Democrat? I, I guess you're right, but it does feel like those – maybe put Marjorie Taylor Greene aside for a second. Lauren Boebert no, 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 or any no, of these no, other no, no. people. But uh, things like Tucker Carlson, they do seem to have an outsized impact on the party. Mm. Like what they say matters. Right. What Trump says matters. I mean, it's amazing to me that this day and age, there's still so many people that are either just stay quiet because they don't want to mess with him or like want him to constantly be supporting them or to like endorse them. Yeah. For all of the stuff that is, that he that he's done that is now even public and it still has that level of power and position in the country. Like that's amazing to me. The Democrat Party right now has sort of the opposite problem, which is that their leader people don't want to be associated with. For sure. Right. I it's agree like, with that. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's got a scheduling conflict. Like when he comes to town. Yeah, I can't I can't make that can't rally. Make it. Yeah, but 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 that's amazing. So you can say do we paint the entire Republican party with the with the Trump brush? Yeah, but it's kind of fair because it's very few people and those that have stood up against them, they get censored, they get pushed out. Cheney was one of them, right? Who people that have been proactive say like no no no, like this dude should not be here. He should be out. They they're they're excluded from the party. So right. it is. So it is that party. You're mm-hmm. right. Maybe it's not. It shouldn't be considered like Bobert's party or or, or Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Green. But it is the Trump party. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what's in my mind wrong still with that party is like Trump represents that. But people are embracing them. They're mm-hmm. not pushing away from it. Even after losing, even after all the stuff that got been been raised about all of the the shenanigans they were trying to do, try to stay in power. It doesn't matter. I think the more interesting question too is why is there this animosity even in the seg- the sectors. Even if we say they're small, even if we say they're a small percentage, why does it that has exist? to be abortion? I think I think that is the the dividing the dividing line, because it's been such a central part of the Republican. We've we actually talked about this, right? Like it's been a very key, maybe even issue that has united that party, made it much more uh, uniform than the Democratic but there, Party. But there's so many faiths and religions and branches of Christianity that say this is okay. In fact, there's some that say. I mean, look at you know, there's some there's some that. Uh, uh, positively teach that life does not begin at conception. I know, so right, you have but, lots of choices. But Why would you throw out the baby a, with the bathwater? But I, but I think it's because such a, it's been such a unifying force in a lot of intent in in getting judges in the right places, not just Supreme Court, but all the work prior to all of these laws that have been that have been passed, in, especially in, in very Republican states, where it's just like the one theme, even if it's not representative of the entire like conservative side of, or Republican side of the, yeah. of the party. It is it outside of looking in, it does feel that way. 
And maybe that's that's part of it, right? And and could you see the reaction that be an anti-religious view? Because remember, I told you this. Like, I, I find it. You know, I mean, I'm sure we will see the date at some point. Like, does the Roe v. Wade decision that the that the Supreme Court just had does that become a trigger? Have people become less religious? Yeah. Does that get accelerated or less Republican in coalition? Or, or in less coalesce. Republican from that? Yeah. I actually read a piece on Reddit it's, uh, today that made that case as to why so many like Democrats seem to be leaving the party and becoming more conservative. And a big part of what this person was positioning as the theory was that when um, you know marriage equality, when the Oberger, Obergefell case got made, that a lot of people was like, hey, we've been fighting for this, now we got it, and now we can kind of just coast, right? Mm-hmm. Cruise control. And that that actually took a lot of intensity out of the party. So they were making mm-hmm. that case as to one of the reasons why there's some disbanding going on there. I'm telling you that I think it will be a factor. I think that there's going to be a lot less energy right. because it's no longer a thing that that you need to necessarily fight for as much, even though there's been a ton of collateral damage on that decision from a pro-life standpoint where now you have you know states like California and New York basically becoming like abortion Walmarts you know what I mean it's like everybody's paying people's bills and sure. come and have it here and there might even be a net more abortions as a result you well, know what I'm saying because people like that's the reaction right that's because what I'm it's a, it's something that people feel that it's a right that has been significantly threatened across the board so for those that still can and are in positions to be able to like be an option for people, like I think you are going to see that. You've seen companies already that have done this, right? Companies that are that are saying they're going to pay for travel for employees, and even companies that you would traditionally think that maybe a little more conservative, even they're taking that kind of stance. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's. I actually think it's deeper, though. I think it is mm-hmm. deeper than. Um, Abortion, I think it's a philosophical difference. I think that, that a lot of this is wrapped up in maybe enlightenment uh, ideology going way back, you know, centuries where all that stuff trickles into the mainstream and people either believe that they can operate in a world where they're the kind of center of the universe or they operate in a world where there's something other than themselves. I think that there's something philosophical because, again, using the abortion thing. I can find 20 churches right now in L.A. where it's like perfectly fine for me to be pro-choice. So why would I throw out God entirely if that's my position? I could just go worship somewhere else. Yeah, no, but, but I think we're saying that the people are throwing out God altogether. But, well, what, what, uh, well, that's what this piece is saying. I don't agree with that because mm-hmm. I don't think that's what the Democratic Party's platform is. Now, does that get muted to some extent? Yeah. Do you have parts of it that definitely are very aggressively having that taken in that kind of sense? Of course, because you're also having people that they feel that and especially as it relates to people that really support pro-choice, that their rights are just got thrown out the window mm-hmm. based on the needs, on the interest of a very small percentage of people that are religious and think that abortion should be illegal. Not that just they're just religious, because you have a lot of people that are religious that, that believe in choice or at least are have mixed feelings, right? So you do have these counter-movements that just happen in every single case. You know, so it, it, it's... Yeah, I mean that's that's I think I think that's part of the 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 issue here. It, the the part that I still keep on coming back to is, what does this mean long term? I think what it does mean long term is you are going to see more diverse groups of 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 more diverse parties, right? I also think that you and I were talking about this the other day when it comes to the Latino vote. Like you can't just assume that they're going to just go be be Democrat because that's what it's been for such a long time. I do think the Republican Party has a clear opportunity to go after some of these. For a whole set of reasons, and I don't think religion to say the the the, the one right is like oh we would you know stay here if they believed in God more really because you're also a group of people that a bunch of you don't even show up to church ever mm-hmm. you show up to the posadas you show up to sure. the one Christmas mass like is it really that Easter important Christmas to you Christians, like yeah like get out of here yeah right but I'm just saying it's a question of where you feel more comfortable and you know look these things ebb and flow over time and I tell all of my you know pe- friends of mine who are you know. Some of my more conservative friends who are very, very tightly wedded to a political lens of looking at this, I always warn them. I'm like, look, go back 100 years and look at what party affiliation meant back then. Mm-hmm. And you might find more common, you know, people, you know, common brotherhood in arms with Democrats 100 years ago than you would with Republicans, potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Or in 100 years from now, it might flip again, right? So it's it's a risk to align yourself too closely to a political party when you're trying to live a life of faith. But if I was a democratic strategist, 
I mean, what I would do is I would say, listen, we are going to reclaim some of this because if this coalition of the ascendant, which gave us a lot of political victories, is going to be meaningful in moving forward, this has to be a part of the equation. And right now it's not talked about. Right now it's just not emphasized. And I think people have to feel comfortable that they can be a pro-life Democrat. And I don't know a single one that would right now at this point. I don't know one. I mean, like I said, there's it's vanishingly small or a very, you know, faithful progressive, mm-hmm. a very, you know, like a religious progressive. How many of those do you know that are like, right. I'm going to go hang with AOC and uh, with Elon Omar? And ironically, Elon Omar, right, is like super Muslim, even though Islam does not support a lot of her positions on issues like this. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, you know, where's her faith very openly? Yeah. But why is there not more of an emphasis on that beyond beyond what we see, I guess? I think I, I would advise that. It's like make it an open – make it a bigger tent and yeah. have people feel comfortable here. Well, I, th- and I think that's been the – I mean on the one hand, you can say that you know, that's what should always be the priority. And I, I do think the, Democrat, the Democrats have tried mm. to make the tent wider. That could also be part of the problem, frankly, right? Because why they don't win? Because it's not focused. It gets all fragmented out. It all segmented out. You know, people still ba- um, um, blame now um, Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders supporters for for Hillary not winning, right? Like that's still to this day, people still blame them for not for not winning because it segmented a whole bunch of people that never wanted to to adopt Hillary Hillary Clinton. Um, and that's I think that's the challenge. That to me is one of the bigger challenges. Like there's such a a broad group. That you're trying to address, that is, um, I think, is very difficult. Now, to your point, as part of that, you need to make sure that people that do want that re- where religion is a big part of their identity, that do feel welcome. Otherwise, you're gonna have a bunch of people sitting around that are all independents because well, they may have tons it, of growth in independent party right now. Yeah, and which is, which I, I would love to see a good third, fourth party. Frankly, I think part of, part of the problem is trying to put it onto two parties. Like what I want to see more is who are like where are all the anti-Trump Republicans. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll love for those to actually come out because there doesn't seem to be many we'll of those. We'll just wait until DeSantis announces he's running. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Right? Elon like, Musk. There's one. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> there's one. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Who's also switched from the, he was a Democrat, right? So he's a, a, an example of that. Voted Democrat. Until, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until now. Yeah, yeah. I th- and it, but frankly, that's going to happen all the time. I mean, that's. Of course, that's, people switch. And they should, by the way. I mm-hmm. think if they, people that don't ever, ever consider it or would never consider it, I think that's, that's part of a problem. Because you're you're more married to the platform, the name, the title, rather than even like the the ideas, the the person, any of that. And these know? parties do change. I saw a really funny video on YouTube where this guy was like, you know, kind of a little trolly. Although he he was doing a straight man act where like got man on the street with a microphone, and he would ask these like super deadpan questions. Uh-huh. And it was it was only among like young black men, and he was asking about just simple things like KKK was that Democrat or Republican. And it was Democrat, right? Jim Crow, uh, Jim Crow, is that a Democrat thing or Republican? And the guy would be like, Republican. It's like, no, that was a Democrat, right? right. Uh, emancipation, was that a Democrat or Republican who gave you that? It was Republican, right? Yeah. So all of these, these things, and you have to look at what that is, right, relative to today. I don't know a single Democrat that would support Jim Crow or slavery, yeah. or be against abolition. But that's kind of like what well, that's that's great uh, clickbait kind of content and questions mm-hmm. because if if anyone's trying to make a, I remember you know who actually said that uh, Joe, blanking the name, the, the the politician that we interviewed. Oh, Joe district. Collins. Joe Collins, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That the reason why he was Republican was because it was a Democrat that supported slavery. The Demo- I'm like, okay, dude, time out. If you're trying to make a case as to why you picked a party now because of what these parties were 200 years ago? Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you talking about? It wasn't 200 years ago. It was less see, than 100, but yeah. See, see what but, I'm saying? Like, yeah, like yeah. it's just like, get the hell out. Like, this had nothing to do with what it is right now. Right. But my point is that that a lot of these parties evolve over time. For sure. That, I completely agree with that. I, I completely agree with that the parties evolve over mm-hmm. time. But when people try to make that kind of correlation, it's like, get out of here. Right. But it is a really, you know, it is a lesser known fact, right? I mean, this is part of an indictment of just people not knowing history. And there's a lot of history that they don't know right. about a lot of things. But um, the the fact that a lot of the things that we would align with looking through the lens today, mm. looking at history, we would say this goes in this court, this goes in this block or this section, uh-huh. this goes in the other. And the reality right. is oftentimes it's not that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, anyway, I've given you my strategy prescription. Uh, what would be yours? 
if any of this is true that we've read, if uh, you if you were advising, you know, Nancy Pelosi, as it relates to this God gap, I I think you need to um. I, I, my position is still the same one that I had before, which is was, as it relates to looking at these different groups, you have to earn every single one of the votes. Like this whole thing about assuming that – I would say two, two, two things. Assuming that they're just going to vote your way because of who they because of who they are, because they happen to be black or even Latino, that's a mistake. Also, only engaging them when it comes time to the next election or to the to like, to like voting time, that's also a mistake. I think we need to understand that these are like complex groups, even Latinos specifically, that are, are changing. You can't just think about like if I just have an immigration platform, then I'm going to get all of them. Right. As a matter of fact, we were looking at the data the other day. It was a, a crime. I think was the number one one issue that for Latinos were, were most concerned about, mm-hmm. uh, based on based on the polling. Um, and and I think addressing them from that perspective, the thing that I would love to look at from a data standpoint is like what's actually more important when making decisions. On, on voting platforms, like what's actually what's what's driving the decision for for many many of these groups, and I'm not minimizing that God isn't important. I think it's part of who they are, but I just I struggle with the idea that that's the the main organ. I think it is for for a number of people, uh, but I but I struggle with that it is for all of them, right? Having said that, I think there is a, a place where, as a party, you have to be careful to not let the extreme versions of the party dictate what the overall agenda is or make it feel like that's what the actual party is about because it actually isn't. And to Biden's credit, I mean, he has gone on record talking about, I don't believe in defund the police. I believe in funding the police. Right. And he has gone on credit or, or on record, um, you know, publicly against, you know, even Green New Deal. He's like said, I don't, that's not my deal. I don't believe in that. Right. Mm. So he has pushed back against some of the more uh, the the more progressive or, or fringe side of the political party, but it's a question of frequency and weight of the message, right? And it just gets drowned out. One final point on this, which we didn't cover, but it goes to your to your point about not uh, not resting on your laurels or thinking that mm-hmm. the past is the present. Hispanic voters, according to this Axios piece, which actually cites a, a New York Times study, mm-hmm. Hispanic voters far more likely to believe that America is quote the greatest country in the world far less likely to support defunding the police, far less likely to believe, quote, racism is built into our society, far less likely to believe than transgender athletes should play on sports teams that match their current gender identity. And in most cases, the polling gap, this is polling data, mm-hmm. is huge, right? So what would that have looked at? What would that have looked like 10 years ago? I don't know, but my point is, you can't just make assumptions. I think that would, I think that part would be very similar ten years ago. As a matter of fact, I would think it would be more, more cons- so. It would be more, more so. so. Actually, I think it's going to the direction. But maybe, right. but maybe these issues have become more like bigger picture issues. Yeah, for sure. Like weight. the transgender one wasn't. I mean, it just wasn't an issue. Like, right. No one really talked about that. Uh, but but yeah, in terms of Latinos having a very optimistic view of the U.S. as a place of opportunity. It's definitely the case. Definitely the case. And I think that actually gets diminished over time the more you go second, third generation because mm. people are not going through those same struggles trying to get here. Yeah. Right? When when you have people that are directly had to have tons of sacrifice just to be able to get here, they just have a different level of appreciation and orientation of what the, what the country represents. Mm. All right. Well, God Gap. We'll see. We'll see if it closes. We'll see if it exists. I believe it does, but we'll see what uh, what they do about it. Um, I guess it's probably not a lot, but we'll uh, we'll see. All right, want to get on to courage or cringe? Sure. All right, let's do it. All right, so um, courage or cringe for this week? Um, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Go first. I'm, right. I'm still scrambling. You're you're scrambling to to find one. I got to go with something that's fresh off the press. I got to go with uh, with our friend Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and that was today's. Um, did you did you see this? What happened? No. Today? What happened? So she actually got arrested today. She okay. got she got arrested along uh-huh. with, with 17 members of Congress for, and this is a quote, crowding, obstructing, and or blocking traffic at a protest outside the Supreme Court over the Dobbs decision that led to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So there was mm-hmm. a big um, a big uh, protest basically right. today in Washington. So she was peacefully protesting, except her right of, uh, she was? of protest. And you're a cringe on that. No, that's Charlie. not what I'm Wow. That's not what all right. Throw out all the rights. Wow. You started with abortion. Let's just get rid of all of them. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So what I'm uh, a cringe about is that as she was escorted by the Capitol Police, 
she put her hands behind her back as if she was in cuffs. But, you know, since the Internet knows no privacy, quickly it was found out through pictures and a bunch of video that she actually wasn't cuffed. She just chose <laughs> to walk with her hands pinned behind her It was her all back. for the gram. <laughs> it was all for the gram. So a bunch of trolls uh, called her out for faking handcuffs. Right, right. She fired back saying that she wasn't faking it, but that she was, quote, assuming a posture so that she would not be charged with escalating offenses like resisting arrest, etc., now, here's the reason uh-huh. why I'm a cringe for a couple of reasons. Number okay. one, she put her hands put her hands behind her back for whatever reason, okay? Uh-huh. It was definitely a cuffed and stuffed pose, okay? But if it's true that she was doing that in order to not escalate and be charged with it, then why did she, as she's walking to the, to the squad car, raise her fist in victory? In other words, like, she's got her hands behind her back and then raises her fist in victory. That would, in my mind, be one of those things that could potentially lead to an escalation charge. Mm-hmm. And then the second reason why I'm a cringe on this is because I've heard people called out of touch and even racist for suggesting that when you get stopped by the police, you should comply. Like, you should, you know, be compliant and not do things that might rile up the cops. Like, screw the cops. Like, just do what you're going to do, right? And don't just sit quietly and listen to what they have to say. Uh I've heard that that's a bad thing, that that actually means that people are not, you know, they're out of touch for, for suggesting that. And like, for instance, with my kids, Jesus, I tell them if you ever wait, get- wait, wait. run it by me again, you lost me. So, so the, people the, are so, saying that it's racist. No, to- I've heard not this. No, no, okay. no. I've heard in the past uh-huh. that when you, you know, that people who say, "Hey, if you ever get pulled over by the cops, just comply with what right, they right. say. Uh-huh. Just listen to what they, even if they're wrong. Okay, listen to what they say because you don't want to escalate the situation. Right. I've heard people like that." be called out of touch and even racist for suggesting that. In other words, you don't right. know the plight, you don't understand. So that's who are the who are the kind of people that what race were the people that were calling them out? I mean, you know, usually it was white people suggesting that <laughs> and people calling them out for that, right? Saying like you don't know, right? Right, but the people no, I'm saying the people calling them out, were they white? No. Generally speaking, no. There was other it, it was I mean in the in my so I, so, so wait, experience. Hold on. you're gonna tell me that someone that grew up black in this country mm-hmm. Latino who's a lot more likely to get beat up potentially shot by police is saying that is racist to comply no 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 that it's racist to suggest that you should comply to the, yeah to the cop. this is, this is I, like the opposite of the talk for for most of us that grew up in places where police and communities were not on the same page we would all get the talk about do not do anything. That's exactly to, what I'm saying. Try, right. I've so heard, I'm saying. I've heard so, that, so, that. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if there's another person that understands that environment, that is a minority, mm-hmm. that was in the in the wrong side of that, or that potentially could be in the wrong side of that, to be suggesting to someone that says to comply that that is racist, like, what are you talking about? That you've never been pulled over? You've I've never a situation that. where you had someone point a gun at you, where you're just trying to mind your business? I've definitely heard that. I've heard- I could totally you- see someone that is like, that is, that has a lot of privilege- Saying that to someone else? Of course. That's what I'm talking about. So somebody who's, let's say it's the most privileged person in the world, who says to you, when the cop pulls you over, don't yell, don't curse at them, don't try to run off, no, no, don't you're, do whatever. You're, you're not understanding what I'm, telling, what I'm telling you. I I, I know, you. I, I've heard that myself, I heard it from my parents. Sure. We all, all I tell get that my talk, kids that. Right? Yeah. If someone said that, tells you that that's racist, the person that is saying it, that that's racist... I think is a probably very privileged person that never was on the wrong side of that. That they themselves have never been a situation where they actually interacted with a, with a, with a police officer in a manner where it could be dangerous. Yeah, I agree. I with think you. they're a lot more likely to be white, honestly, than 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 the minority because they haven't had to deal with that situation. Let me ask it with to you the this real way. life version of what it actually looks like when when that's happening. Let me ask it to you this way: Do you believe that AOC would advise young Latinos or blacks when they're interacting with the police to comply with what they say? I, I think she would. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it, with, just look at how many people have been. How many cases do we have of police brutality mm-hmm. and of not complying or perceived not complying? Like you have to be really out of touch to tell someone that they shouldn't comply because there's actually like there's so many cases of people that have been hurt in that process. Of course, and and it's like almost ignoring that entire that entire thing. I, would have, I, would, I think you have, you will have to be someone that is very they may be uh, very, very privileged. privileged to even think that that's the case. And that's why I think I could see someone that is white that has never dealt with that because 
I mean, you saw that during, during the BLM protest. There was cases where I remember seeing some of the videos where the police were, were, were coming after like one of the protesters that happened to be, I think like a black guy or something. And this white woman got in front of and just put her hands out, right? And just stop and literally stop it. And it was like, this is the perfect example of that. If that person was a minority, wouldn't have done that because they wouldn't have the confidence the police would have stopped. Mm-hmm. Right, because so, and it was a case of someone using their privilege to actually stop someone from being abused. That's why, to me, when I hear that, if I if I ever see someone that is like that grew up in the hood, like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like, but, but really, but, you would do that. But I think I think we're both maybe a little bit older and don't realize like what's actually going on right now. Look, I came across a bunch of YouTube shorts mm-hmm. of like people who purposely uh, incite. The cops. So they'll go. They'll for sure. Charlie. They're filming. I'm, I'm just they're doing whatever. You, these are and people they get in that their are face. that are privileged that haven't actually grew up more not like the hood. Maybe. And these like difficult environments where people actually get shot. Or people at, where where you know that if you get out of line, you are at real risk. I will just say this. I think it's far more likely, and this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's far more likely for somebody who is of AOC's ideological bent to suggest to people that when you're confronted by the police. You know, stand your ground, plead your case, do your thing and, you know, be be, you know, don't just sit there and comply with what they're saying, because more than likely what they're saying is wrong. I believe most on the other side of the ideological spectrum would say, even if they're wrong, just give your ID, keep your hands on the steering wheel, do do what they're asking, be respectful, don't get yourself into trouble. And we'll deal with it later. That's that's what I'm suggesting. Yeah. My, my point is neither of those really are the reason principally why I'm cringe on this. I'm just cringe because if she had her arms behind her back and said the reason I didn't take them away from my back was because I was trying to de-escalate things, then why do a fist pump as you're walking <laughs> to the police car? It's, that's the part that makes for no the gram. sense. For the gram. It's exactly what it is. Anyway, so that's, that's my uh, very hot off the press uh, courage or cringe for the week. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Um, yeah, I think there's there's elements there, of course, that there's these are politicians, man. They're 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 playing everything for the camera, right? Just like most of these uh, hearings that they have is like those little five minutes or two minutes, whatever is that the most time they have is all for the camera. So I'm sure there's an element of that. Yeah. Uh, and then coming off as the like, you know, like the warrior or whatever may be the case, like that. I'm sure it's going to raise a lot of money. She was in the news last week, too, because some guy, um, some uh, a pro-life advocate who was a total asshole, he um, was walking up. She was walking up the steps of the Capitol and he mm. was like, oh, nice booty and like all this other stuff and called her a baby murderer and all this other stuff. But was really like just being very sexually provocative and uh-huh. grotesque. And yeah, it was about, so outlandish. Yeah. Um, and and yet I thought she actually conducted herself with decorum. I thought her husband was a complete coward and just like walked up the steps and didn't defend his wife, which to me was like gross. But but um, but she she handled herself there with like total decorum. And it was like but I mean, but to your but to your point, that wasn't like planned. You see what I'm saying? That was like right. spur of the moment. This one, we're going to go protest. We're probably going to get arrested. Who was the one that responded to that? It was either from Fox or someone that made a comment that she should be happy that people are trying to hit on her. It's like it was like some the most idiotic response to this. I didn't hear that. I, I saw that one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, this one was was pretty bad. Yeah, 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 you have to watch the video to to get the full picture. Anyway, well, that's mine. You know, What's yours? Uh, I don't have a new one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the one that uh, that we didn't get a chance our, to air from our failed attempt. From our failed attempt, which was my courage of this week is of um, the um, the Twitter board. Um, the Twitter the, board. That's right. The yeah. Twitter board and uh, suing Elon Musk. I think is awesome. Uh, it's 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 kind of a it's going to be pretty hilarious. Um, this whole process, I'm very curious to see what actually happens with it. But at least what it seems like right now is that the Twitter board is taking Elon to task uh, on being because he was just being a troll and actually calling him out for for because I think in this case with Twitter, Elon has caused a lot of damage to that company. Oh sure, uh, troll the hell out of them, caused a lot of damage, and then. I, in a moment of, I don't know what you want to call it, put out this crazy deal that could literally could not refuse. So they were like, oh, great, we're not going to refuse Huge it. premium. Huge premium, like $54 per share at a time where it was like in the 40s. Now it's dropped to the, last time I checked, it was like mid-30s. And, you know, I think Elon's in a situation now where he's trying to get out of this thing as quickly as possible, whatever way possible, and they're going to take him to task. 
and trying to get them to pay as much of that as possible. That is going to be way beyond the breakup fee of, a, of a, I think, a billion dollars. Right? But isn't fee. the breakup fee always just a settlement? Like, isn't that your settlement position? Like, okay, fine, I'll pay the breakup fee. But the breakup fee, there is an actual agreed upon breakup fee. It's a billion. Right. Yeah. So he's, it's not going to be that. It's going to be a lot more than that that he's going to end up paying. And I think it's actually it's great to see that because I think we tend to many times idolize some of our – some people – um, I think Elon's in that category. Not to take away from all the great things that he has done, but he could also be a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, a, a place where I could only imagine when this was all happening. I think you and I talked about it. Is like, imagine being the CEO of Twitter and having to deal with this jackass, like just throwing lobs left and right. How much, how much um, damage he's causing to that organization internally? Um, and and in all of this, I think it's it's. It's good to see this process of people that feel like they can do whatever they they want at any time, actually being being brought to task. So I'm curious to see what happens with that, but I definitely have I'm big courage on the Twitter board uh, suing well, uh, Elon Musk. He, he seems super concerned because uh, this week he was uh, on his yacht in Greece, hanging out with pals and drinking. Great. By the way, he is the palest man I have ever <laughs> seen. I'm gonna. I'm texting you. Just ch- check out really quick. Just check out this picture that I'm about to text you, mm-hmm. and this is from uh, from today with him on his uh, on his yacht. So you can get you can get the uh, the full effect. Check out of, check uh, out check out that link. I just, I just being worried. You. you can actually see it in the preview window. Oh my! Yeah, <laughs> this dude is. Yeah, he's. He needs to get some sun, man. He needs some vitamin D. That's what it is. There it is. That's the key to uh, how he's acting. Just get some more vitamin D. Yeah. I. You know, my thoughts on this are that. Um, I'd be encouraged too because I think that the board is doing what is fiduciarily correct and legally mm-hmm. correct, et cetera, et cetera. I think there will be a settlement, and I think at the end of it, the the, the question that the board has to ask themselves is: if I get two billion, three billion, four billion, whatever it is that you that you ding Elon Musk with his hundreds of billions of dollars, at what cost? Because in discovery, you're going to have everything come out. You're going to put them through the ringer, and the stock is not going up; it's going down, right? So, like, the stock what, is actually what, going up. For Twitter, because everyone believes that Elon is going to. By the gonna, way, the background is, is your dog. Yeah, scratching, scratching himself. Yeah, Sorry about that. That's uh, right. Because everyone believes that Elon is going to have to pay a, a big chunk of this, right? Otherwise, that stock will be a lot lower right now. All the stocks got 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 murdered, right? So I think it's it's an interesting dynamic. It doesn't solve Twitter's problems that it has as a business, but I I do think it's in in Twitter's best interest to go through discovery to push this to like the very nth degree. Well, look, back in April before the, the the this idea this thing was announced, the stock was at forty bucks. Yeah, all, today it's at thirty nine. Yeah, it's it hasn't dropped as much as, as all the other tech stocks. Is the point right? And the reason it hasn't dropped as much is because people believe that Elon is going to have to buy this or have to pay a pretty significant premium, uh, for, for like basically for for this deal for this failed deal. Right, but if you look at it on a six month window, like the April through June time when he was going to buy it the stock went just bananas it was up in, in the mm-hmm. 50s yeah and then all and all the stocks went down right but it should be lower than what it is it has gone up in the last week it was trading at 32 bucks and now it's at 39 so mm-hmm. that's definitely good um in in just the last week but i think it's, it's because of that charlie i think people are, are seeing this as that he's going to lose it so we're going to have to like really settle for a much much larger but what amount. i'm saying as the trial unfolds and these things can take years yeah and all the you know discovery and revelations and what people sure. did or didn't, your your Twitter bet is should, that that's, yeah. that stock is going to go up. You're saying you're saying no, it may stay at this at this. At this I, level. I don't know if it'll continue going up, right? But my point is, Twitter should be very motivated to go through the entire process, yeah, including discovery and everything. I think because um, that's the problem with with Elon signed a an agreement where there is no diligence. Right, he for, he 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 for, waved. For, he waved he it. Waved his dili- due he diligence. Waved, he waved due diligence. So if that's the case, dude, and especially for that level of premium, right, push it. Yeah, and his it, his argument is that he was making the waving of due diligence based on their SEC filings, in which he claims are bogus, based on the bot. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Look, good luck with that. I know. Well, yeah, well, you don't need luck when you've got 180 billion. So, like all these things, because our legal system is a complete joke, and the winner is the guy with the most money. And I know this personally. Um, I actually think that he's going to come out like roses, and I think the Twitter board might be happy too. Who knows? But I don't think this is going to impact him on any level, and any material level. But anyway, it's nice that you have a courage, so you've balanced out my cringe. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. Anything else? That's it. Hey, okay. How, how you liking the show? How you liking Unsiloed? 
Uh, I like it. Okay. I, I like I like the the the, the broader uh, deeper debate, broader right. and deeper. I got a I, I, there was a Facebook comment today about Unsiloed. Um, I didn't tag you in it, but it was we have a fan said that he loves. Let me see if I can find the actual thing. He loves where is it? It's right here. Um, thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I got tons of comments here. Uh, it was basically about the new format. Oh, okay. And he called you Chewy. I was like, wow. Oh, wow. I don't think I've ever called you Chewy. So uh, where is it? I can't find it. Whatever. Just block him for saying that. I'm going to have to. (laughs) I'm going to have to. This is actually a pretty pretty big uh, muckety-muck out in the world. But anyway, I won't name him just in case he doesn't want to be revealed. But So we're getting some good feedback on the show. All right, my friend. So we'll see you again next week then. And uh, for everybody else, keep listening. Subscribe. Share the episode with a friend. If you uh, like the discussion, if you like uh, debate with light not heat Uh, keep tuning in and continue to live a life unsiloed we'll see you again next week bye Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.